0: welcome to the ninja turtle power hour i'm spencer toon and i'm brandon suba so this week we're going to be covering the first three episodes of the original 1987 cartoon. Woo! Uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited. I'm pretty excited. You know, I, I haven't revisited these in a while, uh, so I finally have, and it was it was interesting to say the least.
1: I uh, I like learning, kind of going back and looking at the comics. And then going back and looking and and watching the news or the, I guess the 87 show. But what's funny is I had a big issue with splinter because I figured it out because in the cartoon splinter is Yoshi. They're the same people. And if you consider that that's how I knew Splinter since I was, Oh, I don't know, five years old. My mind didn't really make the switch like the comic book does. So I was so excited To finally understand why my brain had such a hard time processing that.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely, I mean, we'll we'll definitely get more into it, but it was definitely a way to uh, give that story to kids and be able to remove all the bits about murder. A little bit. little (laughs) bit. Yeah. A little bit. You know, it was, it was a good, you know, good thing. So. Here to begin, we'll get the background information on this original series as well as these episodes uh, to start us off with since we're starting a new series. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear. About Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it! So at this point in Ninja Turtles history, uh, before the cartoon started, Kevin and Eastman, well, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, were at a... (laughs) were at a convention and... This guy named Mark Friedman approached them and several other licensing guys that approach, approached them before, like licensing agents. And they said to Mark Friedman, like, all right, you can take it. What the heck? Uh, we'll give you this much time. I can't remember how much it was. Maybe I should have researched that. But they gave him a set amount of time to go find someone that will license something. And so he went around to a whole bunch of different toy places and no one wanted it until he hit playmates who was looking for a way into the, the boys market because they were just selling dolls. And they took him up on Ninja Turtles under the condition that they make a cartoon to go along with the toys and a cartoon that was more child friendly than the comic books. As we've just talked about earlier, they needed something that was going to be a little bit more friendly for those kids. Uh, you know, less murdery. So they agreed, uh, to the deal, but only if they got last say on everything. So that's the big thing with Eastman and Laird is during their time in comics, uh, it was a big period for comic creators rights. So Jack Kirby, their idol working at Marvel, he created, you know, Captain America. He created, uh, Thor, I believe, a ton of those huge classic characters, especially the ones that we see movies about now, and he never got paid a single cent for the use of those characters in any movies or anything else. He got paid to write the pages, but he did not make a dime off of all the characters he created, and he created like half of Marvel. Wow. And so that was kind of a big topic that was going on about how creators, they can create some of the most successful characters ever made, like Spider-Man and they would never get a cent back Batman, same story. So the big deal here is, is why they wanted to keep so much control is simply because creators always lost control of their, of their properties, especially in the comic book industry. And this was their way of doing it. And they felt very, very blessed to be able to do it. And this is a big, you know, this is one of the big advantages to self-publishing is that you get full control, just like anyone who writes a normal book they get full control over their book and what happens with it. And it's not the same way with comic book creators, but that's changed over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's gotten gotten a little bit better. Uh, I'm not sure what adjustments they've made, but I'm pretty sure you get paid royalties now if you create a character at Marvel or DC when it gets used.
1: Well, and I think it's kind of the uh, music songwriter versus producer. I think they yeah. buy more ownership when they create the character. Like Kirkman in The Walking Dead, I know he has the rights for everything that well, he
0: writes. That's because he publishes over at Image.
1: Oh, got it. Right. right so right,
0: right. Image was started because they felt like – creators felt like they were worth more. Todd McFarland, uh, Rob Liefeld, all those guys, they felt like that they were worth more than what they were getting paid. And so they went over and started Image, which is a place where creators can go and publish under them, but they get to maintain all their rights, unlike Marvel and DC.
1: <laughs>
0: so that that's the big difference there. And Kevin Eastman actually tried something and failed um, like that before, before Image did, called Tundra. But I don't know if we'll ever get into that on this podcast. <laughs> there was no Ninja Turtles public. Well, there might have been a few books, but... Like compilations that were published under Tundra, but not a whole lot of Ninja Turtles was, was published under them. If there was, I'll, it's it's few and far between.
1: I'll make a deal with you right now. If we get one thousand downloads in one month, we'll we'll cover Tundra. Then, how about that?
0: <laughs> I mean, I am. It's Tundra's complicated, and I am no expert. If you want to learn more about Tundra comics, I suggest looking up uh, comic tropes. It's a page on YouTube called Comic Tropes. He has one about Kevin Eastman. It's called like How to Lose. Billions of dollars in comic book money, something like that. Uh, It's pretty much why Kevin Eastman isn't rich today. Uh, If he just so happens to ever listen to our podcast, I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, we feel for you. Sorry it
0: happened. It's rough. But he he was definitely very generous, and there's some that consider him to have been too generous. Uh, Anyway, back to what we were talking about. So creators' rights, super important to them, and they were the beginning of this movement. Well, they were there at the beginning. They didn't start it, but... Towards the beginning, they were there, and that's why they wanted full control over everything, and so they okayed every episode, or at least someone at Mirage Studios did. Um, So they became incredibly busy with licensing. Any toys, anything that was ever going to be made, Ninja Turtles, someone at their office had to go over, and that's why you ended up with the guest era that I mentioned in the first episode, is because they were too busy to actually be able to write their own comic books. They weren't even able to do what they originally set out to do anymore because they were licensing everything. Uh, And so uh, one of the funny stories that I heard from Kevin Eastman uh, in a series of videos he did with Paul Jenkins called um, Two Pals Chat on YouTube. Uh, He has a story about when all these toys were released, that he went, him and Peter went to Toys R Us to go see, you know, their toys on the shelves. And she just sees this mom pulling her kid out of the toy aisle saying, no, I'm not going to buy you those stupid Ninja Turtles toys. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, you know, says so that he's just like, oh, ooh. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, it was a pretty funny story. So I, I can only imagine how many parents were, were upset with their kids with that, you know, upset with with Ninja Turtles for being such a pop culture icon, the kids having to have them.
1: And uh, I'll contest on the on the toys like now because with my kids we go to the toy, you know to get presents for birthday parties and all that it's just Mm -hmm. endless it's endless when i remember getting the ninja turtles star wars was kind of in the limbo period it was before the first three came out so they really weren't making toys for them transformers were slowly burning out at that time so you had ninja turtles you still had gi joe and I'm sure some random stuff in there. But it was you had one dark aisle. That was the boys. You had one pink aisle. That was the girls. And then you had like a puzzle and game aisle and and then maybe bikes and stuff. So it's just so much now that like kids don't even know what the heck they're buying. They just see something that's kind of fun and they want to go with it. It's hard to do the collecting like you used to.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a whole aisle for Legos. That that was my my childhood was Lego. You know, we had the, the Lego, Lego aisle too. Yeah. yeah,
1: that was a good aisle.
0: Like, yeah, that's that's what I always needed. If they would have had Ninja Turtle Lego sets, I would have been all over them. They did make they, the Mega Block ones, and I bought them as an adult when Toys R Us was going out of business. <laughs> the ones based on the comic books because they were cool, and, and my wife and I were just like, "Oh, Toys R Us is closing. Like, let's just go." see it inside just just to see it one last time and send it off type thing and and then i saw those there and they were you know for a huge fraction of the price and i was just like well i'm just gonna why not grab these and go build them (laughs) 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 i'm not much of a toy collector but mega block sets you know pretty much legos based on the original comic books like my inner i couldn't say no to my inner child
1: Uh, yeah yeah but like you said on the the earlier podcast space Right, we all have so much space; yeah. so we don't need to like totally fill it up. And and that's that's probably preaching to those collectors out there uh, that we see with all the Ninja Turtles. Which I'm not gonna lie, I have jealousy towards that. I would love to have multiple glass cases of toys. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely a cool niche thing. I don't think I could I could do it, especially living in an apartment. But you know, if it's your thing, that's awesome. <laughs> so the credits uh on these first episodes uh i think almost the entire series if it ever changes as we're going on we'll let you know but i'm pretty sure the whole thing was directed by fred wolf and vincent davis um the episodes we watched the first three episodes are all written by david wise and patty howeth for this series we've got rob paulson on Raphael, barry gordon is donatello cam clark is leonardo townsend coleman is michelangelo renee jacobs is april o'neill James Avery as Shredder, Pat Fraley as Krang, and Peter Renaday as Splinter. Uh, in these episodes we viewed, we'll be getting our first ever appearances of Vernon, Bebop, Rocksteady, Krang, and the Technodrome because that's pretty much a character. It, it's it's got its own it's got its own life around it.
1: It has eyes.
0: It has an eye.
1: An eye. Yeah, it has <laughs> an, an eye. eye.
0: <laughs> Is that ever explained, like, why there's an eye on top of the Technodrome? Like no, what, what but the purposes? toy,
1: the toy, the original Technodrome toy, that eye was meant to roll down to knock the turtles down that were coming to the uh. Technodrome. The, the show, why and maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll see something of it. I feel in the back of my mind it shot out a laser, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about the techno drum today. That seems
0: like the logical thing, and I guess there's no right. windows. There's no windows on the Technodrome. so maybe like what shows up on their screen is everything that I is seeing.
1: I you know? I have a <laughs> interesting thought on how they can watch everything going on, but we'll get into that when we get into the season three summary here. We we will. So I'm going to jump into the summaries of the shows. This was really fun for me to watch. I started downloading uh, the Seven Turtles probably about two years ago. So it was fun to go back and watch them again. And I'm going to go through the classics here. So episode one is Turtle Tracks. There are pieces that kind of flow with that first comic book, but as we've said, much more kid-friendly. So, once again, opens up on the streets of New York, just like the comic did. There's a gang that's stripping down a car, and as a news reporter is talking about, not April, but a news... Re- oh, what's it, April? It is April. Yeah, it is April. Talking about yeah. the crime, they, they actually spray-paint a guy reading a newspaper, and <laughs> the guy just walks off like uh, it's no big deal. So then we meet April, who is a reporter... And she's covering a break-in at a technical-type business. And one of my favorite lines that I saw there is, they were blaming ninjas. And she goes, well, why are you blaming ninjas? (laughs) The detective goes, well, this rope here is made in Japan. So obviously, it was ninjas. I don't know if you could get away with that necessarily up to date then. Uh, so they're blaming ninjas now as they're out, uh, after they do the news story, they're out by the van and a bunch of goons who ironically are the foot soldier. Well, they're foot soldier goons, but I think that was the way to tie in the purple dragons without having a gang, because yeah, once again, think, yeah, trying yeah, to make it more friendly. Dragons are in this one. They're not. Cartoon, yeah. But once we get a couple seasons or a couple episodes in, they start bringing in the foot soldiers, which are, robots spoiler alert yeah so i find it interesting that the first round of goons we meet that are working for shredder are humans so that's where I think yeah. they were trying to tie the purple dragons in but once again makes sense. couldn't yeah. have a gang right yeah. so <laughs> so as the goons come up vernon one of them every all the guy reporters run away and april's like no this is news so she throws the gigantic camera at them and that allows her to fall on the ground enough to then roll down into the sewers. Of course, the goons rip up the sewers. They get down in there. And that's when we see the hands and the uh, the fists and the feet of the Ninja Turtles that save April. Of course, once she sees that they are turtles and not humans, she faints. And as all righteous teenagers do, they took them back to their house. Where we meet Splinter then. And uh, Splinter... As as April's waking up, Splinter offers her sushi for food. And what does Michelangelo bring in? Pizza. That's right, pizza. So then, Splinter shares their story. Now, the turtles already know it. So in the comic book, the turtles are learning. In this situation, uh, Splinter's sharing the story so that April understands why there are these giant turtles living down there. So as the story goes, Hirokosaki and Amada Yoshi are together in a dojo with the Foot Clan in Japan. They have a master sensei come in, and Saki takes this knife and stabs it behind Yoshi so that he cannot bow. So I like how they took the dishonorment of killing, but just turned it into not bowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, then it was
0: a plot to kill him, you know. And looked, they they look behind him and see the knife jab in his robe, and they're like, "Oh, it's a knife! Obviously, he wanted to kill this guy."
1: Exactly. Yeah. Didn't Bow pull the knife out? The story is so cut and dry. Yeah. So then, once he pulls the knife out, the master says, "You're very well." It's not the master; it's his um, his followers, or I don't know the ranking, but yeah, the two was, guys that are with him. His right hand men, you know. So, his right hand uh, man. His yeah. uh, entourage there you go and and so of course they yell at at this time yoshi and the sensei says throw the bum out because those are very honorable words yeah so of course if you get kicked out of the foot clan where are you gonna move to from japan spencer i'm gonna go to the u.s of a Heck yeah, let's go to New York and live in the sewers. So now Splinter, or I'm sorry, Yoshi, currently lives in New York. He built his little house down in the sewer. uh, And the turtles end up falling into the sewer. A kid trips and the the glass bowl breaks and they fall down into the sewer. And then it's kind of like a few days later, the ooze gets down in there. Because, of course, uh, Yoshi is not a rat. So he takes care of the turtles. He finds that the ooze is on them and they start to grow. And this is when we find out that Yoshi mutates into Splinter. So as I said at the beginning of the episode, I couldn't understand why my brain couldn't like absorb that. And it's because I always knew Yoshi and Splinter were the same people. So yeah, I apologize if that catches me later. So then naturally he, being Yoshi, now Splinter, trains the Turtles to fight uh, so that they can get the revenge. Hold on. Not for killing, but they can get the revenge to turn Splinter back into a human. That is their ultimate goal. Very heroic, you know. Very heroic this time around. Now they jump back and forth, so we do get to see uh, Vernon again and April's boss, who I know they'll play a bigger part as we go forward. But that was just very short. Uh, and then the turtles ask, or they help get April's story, uh, so that she will keep their secret. Because she she actually blames them for being the the people breaking in because they're ninjas. So they make an agreement. The goons report back to Shredder. They have nothing to tell him. So, of course, he expresses his feelings towards them. And, oh, you stupid. And then the turtles, as they're searching the sewers with April, they find evidence. And and I think this is another thing you couldn't get away with uh, in cartoons today. They find a matchbook that has ninja pizza on it. Yeah. (laughs) So they go to the surface, and a bag lady, this is so ridiculous, a bag lady sees them, and she pulls a machine gun out of her cart that she's pushing, and she starts shooting at them. So they realize they should probably disguise the turtles. But good news, because of course, in the streets of New York, we're a 24-hour men's clothing store which April then goes in and buys their traditional hats and trench coats, which we then see kind of going forward as their disguises.
0: Yeah. I think that the old lady pulling the machine gun out is a reference to a movie, but I'm not sure which one I've, and I'm not gonna say which one, because then everyone's just gonna be like, "Oh no, it's not that movie. You're dumb." But <laughs> it, it is definitely a reference to a movie, and I'm not sure which one it is. But there is a movie that that happens in. It's like a, I think I want to
1: say it's like a martial arts movie or something. But that would make sense. That would make yeah. sense. I thought it was pretty darn ridiculous. And then as they're walking around for the first time now with April and the turtles, it's almost like they've never been to the surface before, even though we kind of know that they have. And they keep asking questions and for some reason april feels it's very important to address them by name oh wait she gets every single name wrong though which i thought that was kind of cute
0: yeah it definitely kind of makes fun of itself a little bit there you know just because all the turtles look the same the only difference is the headband color and so they kind of took advantage of that
1: <laughs> which they they did that specifically for the cartoon didn't they so that yeah. you could tell them apart yeah
0: yeah it was, yeah so you could tell them apart because you know Playmates is just like, what's the difference between these four different turtles? And so Peter Laird came up with the idea of adding the the headbands of different colors. So you could tell apart, as well as a letter on each of their belts.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So they go to the Ninja Pizza place. And this is where I have my big issue. Shredder's watching all of this. And at one point, uh, it's episode three. He sends out bots that have cameras. So that makes sense. But at this point. It must be the eye of the Technodrome because he can literally see anywhere. It's just x-ray vision. You know, and just- right? But and it's on a computer, but he can't He can't find their lair in the sewers, but he can find them anywhere else. <laughs> so as the turtles go into the pizza place, it's kind of a goofy, weird place, and April finds the Manhattan Security Services, and they realize that is just a cover-up for the foot. So they send the foot soldiers uh, to rob the science labs that catch April. So April's in the science lab and she overhears that there's another science lab that needs protection, did quotes on that. And they send the foot out there as the protection only for them to rob them to get, of course, all the pieces that somebody who will meet in a second here needs. Uh, the turtle realized that April had been kidnapped. So they go to find her. Uh, they're ambushed by the foot clan. And then uh, we discover this is where we discover that the foot clan are in fact, Robots or foot soldiers, I believe, is the proper terminology for them individually, which I always thought that was a good ploy for the toys. Mm. I really felt they should have had like a six pack that they offered, but you had to buy them individually just as the other turtles. I only owned one, but I did have a friend that owned many. I was always a little jealous of that. (laughs) So as Shredder is watching from afar with his magic camera that he can see anything, he recognizes the turtle's fighting style and then he realizes Yoshi can still be alive. So after they beat the foot, they save April. That's going to be a common theme that we probably mentioned many times. So they go, then when they discover where Shredder's lair is, they go in there and they come from the top down. And I don't know about you, but... If I need to get rid of somebody in a building, I'm just going to flood the building from the bottom up because that seems logical. So they flood, literally flood the building from the bottom <laughs> up. And they're worried at first. And then they realize they're turtles. So water doesn't really affect them. And they do uh, take care of April then. So after the building floods, they go to the roof. They escape. They bring back a foot soldier's outfit And that is how Splinter realizes and knows that it's the foot. They put all the pieces together, and they realize that Shredder is, in fact, in New York now, trying to find Yoshi. And, of course, they all eat pizza, and the episode is over. So, like I said, there are ties in to the comic book, I feel. They did a decent Mm -hmm. job with the first episode, first episode, uh, but obviously way, way more kid-friendly. So then we go into the second episode. This is Enter the Shredder. So the turtles are now sleeping. April is still down. She wakes up because she faints multiple times throughout the first episode. And uh, we see the turtles that are practicing with Splinter's guidance. And then it's time for breakfast. And, and uh, Spencer, do you remember what they had for breakfast? Uh, isn't it pizza? Well, that's all they eat, so yep, they eat pizza and they sprinkle different breakfast cereals on each of the pizzas to make it, of course,
0: breakfast.
1: breakfast. Yeah,
0: pizza. I mean, you're just putting cereal in a bunch of dairy, that's I mean, that's all breakfast is, right? You know,
1: just I didn't on, on think cheese, of you know, that. you're, totally right, dairy. you're totally
0: right, same thing,
1: right? So, a- April is now bound to determine to go find the Technodrome. Uh, So, as they're heading around in the sewer, they do find where the Technodrome would have been located, but it had left. It was gone. It wasn't under the building anymore, and there was a giant tunnel that was leading it. We then see Shredder driving the Technodrome, and this is where we meet Krang the Brain. Now, do you know Krang the Brain at all as Krang the Brain? Does Does that ring anything to you? So, I mean, I did... I was gonna, you know, I was gonna bring this up later.
0: I did watch like the first bit of this series, you know, because so many people talk so fondly of it. But I watched it as an adult, so I wasn't mm. able to get through the whole thing.
1: I understand. Uh, yeah. So I have, I have heard the brain thing, and it, it'll be more relevant as we dig more into these episodes. Yeah. So then we learned that the deal was made with Shredder and Krang, basically. <laughs> Krang is providing all this ridiculously amazing technology from Dimension X in return to get a body from Shredder. That's all he wants. It's a body. Just a body. They obviously don't trust each other. And we find out that Shredder had dropped the mutagen in the drain uh, on the Mutant Turtles. So once again, there's a loophole, I feel. Or not a loophole, but there's there's a uh, problem here. Shredder's like, oh are obviously learned from Yoshi. That's the fighting style. Yet he created them. So he had to know. I mean, he, he thought he was going to kill him. That. I think he thought it was like a poison. And so he
0: was going to try and kill him with it. And then it was just like, oh, it doesn't kill people. It actually, you know, turns them into mutants.
1: Okay. Now that makes sense. That Surprise.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. It sounds like he planned on it like killing them when, when they talk about it.
1: So after we learn more about Shredder and Crane, then we go back to the turtles. Uh, and of course they're headed back to uh, go get Splinter at this point. So then we see the zoo because they need something or somebody that can beat these turtles. So Crane gives the idea of, well, why don't we just mutate some very strong animals? So we then see the goons that we saw originally uh, and in the zoo pops up two uh, robots. And I did not take the time to look up if they have a specific name I know the mousers were a toy, but I don't think they ever made the robots with like one wheel at the bottom. I don't think they ever I think made they're that. They're called toy. like collectors or something like that. That's what they called them. It was something oh, weird. Yeah. So the two we'll call them collectors pop up. Yeah. Uh they bust out a warthog and a rhinoceros out of the zoo. Uh so the turtles go to get April and they end up at the Channel Six News Building. So once again, it it, it just bounces back and forth all through the episodes. But this time, their disguise was not a trench coat or a hat. No, no. They were hip-hop dancers hanging out in front of Channel 6 News.
0: Because, you know, just like if you put on glasses, you're no longer Superman. You put on glasses, you're no longer like a Ninja Turtle. And
1: it's not you know? like your skin is green, so you're fine. Yeah, yeah, it works. Now, at this point, Splinter had gone off to find the uh, Technodrome. He does find it, and he is captured by the same robots that we saw that captured the two zoo animals. So the turtles use the zoo, or the hole at the zoo, and they go down there, and now they will find the Technodrome again. And, of course, Shredder lets them in like it's no big deal. Come on in, turtles. Welcome. Well, they had to go through some challenges to get through the Technodrome to find uh, Splinter. So the first challenge was the walls coming in, of course, Donatello hot wires the control. No problems. They get out. Second challenge is a bunch of robots in a room attack the turtles. And good news, turtles win because, you know, their weapons are nice and sharp and can cut through metal. And then the third challenge was a metal roller from the ceiling, which I really felt was a twist on um, Indiana Jones. Like the whole. Yeah, I
0: mean, there's a lot down. of that that feels really. George Lucas inspired Mm -hmm. in general you know I
1: absolutely agree absolutely oh yeah because Star Wars the walls coming in yeah the Uh, walls crushing them
0: inside the Death Star you know absolutely it definitely feels like there's a lot of inspiration coming from from the George Lucas stuff
1: so they have a bomb (laughs) they blow up a wall that's how they get away from the uh thing coming from the ceiling rolling down once they get through the wall they do find Shredder and at this point uh, they, they do find Splinter. And at this point, Shredder had then created who we know as Bebop and Rocksteady, the two animals. They use the mutagen and they are now not just the goons that we did see from the first episode, but they are truly now mutated animals uh, that come in and they fight the turtles. So the turtles, they fight. It's a good fight. Uh, they make Bebop and Rocksteady run into each other and they pass out. Which, you know, that's common. That's nothing new. That's usually how I want to fight myself, too. They cut down Splinter, and they leave as Shredder is yelling at Bebop and Rocksteady, Come on, you fools! So, Leo realized it was way too easy, and Bebop and Rocksteady come into the ground, and they start shooting at them, as now they have escaped. They end up trapping them in a cage. They're all back at the zoo, and then they leave in the news van. Bada boom, bada bing, the end of the episode. Which, all episodes always end up with them miraculously winning the unbeatable fight and going back and eating pizza. A robot does come and get Bebop and Roxetti, takes them back down, and that is the end of episode two. So then episode three, very important episode, and we'll dig more into this uh, importance as we get into the comics too, but the uh, title of this one is A Thing About Rats, which I was actually getting ahead of myself, and I thought we might get to see The Rat King but as I said, I was very, very much ahead of myself. So this is an episode that we do get to meet Baxter Stockman. So the turtles want revenge, and they want to make Shredder fix Splinter, now that they know that Shredder can control the ooze and all of that. So we meet Baxter Stockman as a human at this point. He's demonstrating the mousers, which uh, for those that aren't familiar with those, how would you describe a mouser? They're like
0: tiny armless robot T-Rexes. That is a really
1: good description, actually. So he's demonstrating the mouser to Apex Pest Control to sell them on a little device that they can use to help uh, eliminate vermin uh, in people's houses. Well, they toss him out, and Shredder comes out of the shadows to offer Baxter a deal. Through all this, the turtles are looking for the uh, Technodrome. And uh, then we go back to Baxter... And Shredder offers Baxter all of the electronics that he needs because Shredder plans to make hundreds of these mousers because what's the one mouse he's trying to find? Splinter. You got it. Turtles are still looking at this point. And then it cuts into where now uh, he has Baxter Stockman making the ultimate control to control all these mousers. And he is now, and no joke, 3D printing the Mousers. Did you catch that when you watched it?
0: Because I didn't know thing too much about it. You know, it was just kind of initial like, cartoon logic. It just yeah, kind of
1: There's lasers going around. And all I could think of was 3D printers were in no way, shape, or form an idea at that point. And here we are. They were ahead of the game on that. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, Krang then shows up. He still wants a body. And uh, he's yelling at Shredder about horrible job that he's doing because that's all he does. We find out that Krang is very crude. And uh, I think Crane kind of puts two and two together that is being used. So they create specifically 12 12 mousers that they send out to find Splinter. So we see that. Now, we cut back into the sewers. April is helping Splinter heal uh, because he you know, was captured and was beat up a little bit. And uh, and then she has to head off to work. So at this point, the mousers do find Splinter. It's a very intense part of the episode but don't worry because the turtles came and saved the day just in time but now they realize they have to go find uh april and talk to her about the whole situation and april's back at her apartment so what do they all do they go bombard her in her apartment very rude for earlier days but if you think about it they have the mindset of a teenager although splinter was involved in this too (laughs) It is comical, once again, to see the turtles out in the real life because they ask questions like they've never seen anything uh, throughout the apartment, the living space. So I got a kick out of that. Just a lot of back and forth with April. Mm -hmm. So April goes about and uh, she finds Baxter uh, with the most basic computer ever. I do get a kick out of the technology that they have in there. And at this point, Baxter has built the remote for Shredder and then Shredder uh, sets the foot uh, on him. So basically use him to get rid of him. So at this point now, Shredder has hundreds of mousers that he sends out to get splinter. Uh, the turtles end up saving Baxter from the foot and they tie him up. I feel bad for Baxter Stockman. I mean, he's just a geeky <laughs> dude. So they tie him up. They interrogate him to find Shredder kind of the whole back and forth. The turtles end up stealing a van. I can't wait till they get their party wagon, but they steal a van cause they have to get across town find shredder of course back stockman gives the exact location but then they realize they need to save april and shredder because there are thousands of mousers going to get them so they have to uh, go up there they fight them off but the turtles come just in time to save april and splinter luckily there was a construction site conveniently located next to april's apartment because the mousers do end up eating the building to the point that it falls They all grab onto some crane cables uh, and they are safe and sound. So then Mikey on his own. Now, once again, I think it was Raphael on his own that found Shredder. But Mikey finds Shredder and the master controller and Shredder captures Michelangelo. As the other turtles are fighting mousers and Krang unties Mikey because once again, Krang realizes that Shredder is just kind of stabbing him in the back. He asks him to go destroy the master control. Mikey ends up taking on Shredder and gets Shredder to destroy the master controller because at this point, Shredder is using a gun, which, once again, doesn't really make a lot of sense. But all the bad guys in the Turtles, uh, they end up using guns for the most part. The mousers also eat that building because that's pretty much all they do. And then Mikey explains, uh, and then Mikey does end up back with the turtles. And as Mikey is trying to explain what Krang is to the turtles, nobody really believes him. And that is where we end episode three.
0: All right. We'll move on into the second time around then. Hey, nice junk. Some things that I noticed are watching it. You know, the animation has not aged well. Not at all. Yes, it is. And it has those, uh, those continuity errors of old cartoons as well. So, like, if you watch even just, like, old Scooby-Doo, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, I know there's, like, ones where just, like, Fred's arm is just gone, you know, and, and things like that. And I feel like there's just definitely this attitude at the time of, like, ah, oh, it's for kids. They won't notice. They don't care. <laughs> like, right. Oh, yeah. We don't care if Donatello's talking and Michelangelo's mouth is coming out of him. They won't care. I get it. It's
1: constantly, constant. I know it happened, and I, I was going to write it down, but it happened a couple times in that episode. Uh, the bandana's wrong. The voice is wrong on it. And then I also like when it's very obvious that they're just replaying the same cell over and over for yeah. the hiding and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it is comical. I I'm very used to that. Do you think it's easier now how they make cartoons? Because it's not necessarily CGI. It's, it's somewhat the same, but. Do you think it's easier for them to go and edit that stuff when they find they made a mistake?
0: Probably. It probably is a little bit easier because they didn't hand draw it and color it like with the same way, you know, because like, for example, if you like colored Raphael's bandana the wrong color, you're going to have to like get all of those frames back and then paint each one of them in or, you know, color it in. When on a computer, you can go with the fill tool and just be like, fill, fill or even if they're if it stays in motion as it's moving along they can just change it the once maybe who knows yeah I, I'm no, not an animator true. I'm not an animator but I imagine that back when it was all on paper they you know they had to draw it all by hand they probably would have to go through and color everyone's headbands the right color on all those frames
1: I could I could just see like the the producer whoever it is at the end be like oh no this is wrong and the animators are like just just post it we're not fixing it like just go with it <laughs>
0: it's just kids they don't care <laughs>
1: uh and like, let's
0: oh, I mean, they use computers now because it's cheaper i mean that's the whole reason why we moved to computers because it's not as hard as the hand-drawn animation yeah, so i imagine well, that's something yeah. to do with it yeah. but the other thing that's interesting about that old animation is like how like move like movements are supposed to be action packed and fast will be like super slow you know like they'll be like uh that scene where Raphael rolls over and sticks his side in Bebop's gun or yeah, I think it's some mm, Bebop's yep. and then like rolls away <laughs> and it's just like painstakingly slow you know you're like no way does he not notice that and then he just like stares down at his gun and he's just like ah! <laughs> after like 5 seconds of staring at it is what it feels like i mean it's probably shorter but yeah, you know, and then it blows know. up. Yep, naturally, so, naturally, yeah, and sometimes even when they're walking, it like I, I don't know how to describe how their body's moving, but it doesn't look like how normal people walk. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? it really, it really doesn't. It, it doesn't. <laughs> but you know, it was it was earlier days of animation. It was pretty rough.
1: Yeah, Disney had it much better than everybody else. I feel.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and then- I, mean, I mean, I used to go back and watch like because on a channel when I was a kid, they play the old He-Man cartoons, and my brothers and I would stay up at night and watch them and laugh at them because we thought they were campy. You know, we just would make fun of them for, for hours. Sorry if that ruined anyone's childhoods, but no, we thought we they were, were all hilarious.
1: That, <laughs> that's all you had. I mean, I go back yeah. to Netflix puts out a new cartoon, it seems like, every single day. So you just have, you can find what you like, but back in the day, you had the toy lines and the shows that went with them. That was it. Yeah. So then also with the with the shows, the the clunky dialogue, right? Yeah. The cheesy lines and all of that. It's not even the cheesy lines,
0: like there's sometimes where like it's just awkwardly spaced. And this happens in the cartoon that I grew up with too when I've gone back and watched the two thousand three series. This is not and this is just this is kids' cartoons in general, you know. It's very few and far between that you'll find actual good dialogue. Like I feel like Avatar the Last Airbender didn't have any of that. That's like the only kids show i can think of that i've seen in recent years where if you go back and watch it there isn't some dialogue where you're like that sounds weird you know just the way they're talking the awkward spacing the responses you're like that's that doesn't sound like how people talk
1: (laughs) well and, and i'll give credit so like dubbed over like Dragon Ball Z is dubbed over and everything but the the cartoons we're talking about are not they were originally written and originally voiced here in America the
0: original dub of Dragon Ball Z going back and watching it there's there's some awkward moments especially Dragon Ball right before it yeah there's like a whole bunch of like the lips are moving, but they don't know what to do, so there's just awkward laughter. So they're just like,
1: ha, 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 And the swearing and the inappropriate comments, uh, especially Vegeta, I believe, was very bad. I yeah. mean, you, you got to dub over it with car- Cartoon Network of appropriate language.
0: Oh, I mean, I guess for those, I don't know, I I guess when I was a kid, I saw the censored ones, but now they, they have dubs or they're not so censored. But...
1: Uh, yeah <laughs> and then we have the technodrome which as i was kind of going over her notes and everything i realized we've made this reference before today too it's kind of like the death star if you think about it i mean yeah. they have similarities and star wars came out before ninja turtle so i wouldn't be shocked if they stole a little bit from there
0: yeah and i put i put the technodrome down here the second time around because i feel like its design is also dated like you just don't see and it could have just been like ninja turtles and its uniqueness but you just don't see things designed like that and more like a big golf ball on wheels with an eyeball on top of it it just very much has that 80s 80s toy line feel you know it could yeah. possibly be in he-man if it were like a bit more medieval looking you know like <laughs> it, it definitely has that old eighties feel to it when you look at it and there's, there's novelty to it. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's very much a product of its time with its design. I feel like.
1: I like how there's basically no (laughs) drills on it whatsoever yet. It can drill a giant hole or a giant tunnel to go wherever it needs to go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, made it do whatever it needed to do, I guess. All right, then. We'll move on into anchovies.
1: Nobody likes
0: anchovies! So, some of my complaints here come from my perspective of having grown up with a different cartoon. Um, And so, my complaints to this one is they're constantly making jokes. Like, that first episode is just endless jokes. And everyone is dumb. (laughs) It's for that joke stuff, but, you know, they're hiring... They're hiring these guards to come for their companies and to help them. And they're very obviously ninjas, you know, just yep. with a police hat on and a badge, and they're like going out for their security job. It's like, wow, that doesn't look suspicious at all. Weren't they just talking about ninjas stealing stuff? So it's one of those things where it's a kid's show and I never watched it as a kid. My first time seeing it was when I was, like, 20. You know, I was a huge Ninja Turtle fan, and everyone kept talking about the cartoon, the original cartoon, so I wanted to go see what it was all about. And so I don't really have a fond nostalgia memory around this show. And in Peter Laird's words on an interview he had talking about the 2003 show, uh, where he said it's more like the comic books, the comic books, the 2003 show, have a lot of action. They're very action-oriented and some humor. Mm. And said that this old that old original cartoon before this one is a lot of humor and then some action right right so that's what's what's going on there
1: well and i grew up with that so i just always kind of assumed and i think they've kept nostalgically like the turtles always make some jokes like mm-hmm. some cheesy jokes like even in the up-to-date movies and there's always those cheesy jokes but it's pretty thick in the 87 uh,
0: cartoon yeah and So for and then, me that kind of was like a uh, you know thing. It's like oh, I gotta get through all these jokes when I wanna get more into a a story, I guess. You know, I like I like the humor being few and far between and having more of the action orientation.
1: Well, and you came jokes. you came from the comic to the cartoons. No, yeah, well, right? I came no from, well, the cartoon from the to the comic series. yeah. Which was more like the comic and so I yeah. I can yeah, I can see that making sense. Uh we've talked about everyone's so dumb so dumb. Yeah. And then and then you put Baxter Stockman on the anchovies. What uh what do you got against the dude? I just, I just don't like
0: I don't like the 87 interpretation of him. You know, even in this one, he's just kind of like this guy that really wants to get his invention out there. Shredder invests in him, then tries to have him killed. And then the turtles tie him up. Yeah. And they try to interrogate him and he just refuses to talk and he's now just like super loyal to shredder (laughs) you know it's it's one of those things where it doesn't make any sense there's no real character motivation there and then as it goes on he just kind of ends up being this pathetic henchman where he just calls shredder master all the time he's like oh master yada yada he also white yeah he also whitewashed the character he's originally a black guy and i know why they did it they did it because they were afraid of it appearing racist since he's always calling shredder master. And he's kind of more of
1: a a character like that. I hate to say this, but I'm surprised they realized that that long ago. I mean, we want to pretend racism like was so long ago, but it it really isn't. It really is. And it still heavily exists today, but Mm -hmm. interesting. That's a very interesting point. And you're right. And in all the other comic books and portrayals, uh, he is af- er, African American. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I never and, thought of that.
0: Yeah, and I I really like that just because you never even see people of like that ethnicity in in the role of mad scientist True. almost ever. Like it's really cool to see him in that role, and I just love it when he's more like your Frieza villain. To, you know, bring up Dragon Ball again. He's the villain you love to hate because he's just this backstabbing son of a gun. Who's gonna always come back on you and and hurt you type thing? And he's he's smarter than everyone else in the room. He's always plotting. And I feel like the best interpretation and the best view of that is definitely in the Mirage and series. The 2003 series does something along those lines.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: either way, it's I always just kind of hate the the master lowly slave of. Yeah, of Shredder aspect to him because he can be such a cooler villain and kind of be his own his own thing.
1: Well, and I think they do do uh, they do a good job in the later uh, newer movies, if you will, of he he is a little more his own person. He's not mm-hmm. as as uh, submissive there. Yeah.
0: So that those are my complaints with Baxter Stockman in this original series. I feel right. like he's way better. He can be so much better. Yeah,
1: so much better.
0: He can be a much better character. And that will conclude this segment. So we'll move on to I love being a turtle. I
1: love being a turtle!
0: So one of my favorite bits from this is robot censorship. I always just love whenever they want to cut people up, they just make them a robot in any show. I find that hilarious. Uh, you know, it's like Samurai Jack. I feel like took this to the ultimate extreme, mm-hmm. where the person looks totally like a living being, and he chops them in half. But there's gears and stuff on the inside, so it's okay. <laughs>
1: it's fine. It's not blood. It's gears.
0: And it's used. This is used all over in Ninja Turtle cartoons. Is, is the robot censorship, and it's it's where it began. And I find it really funny.
1: It makes me smile. And we were talking about the notes. I didn't even put two and two together. But once again, makes it a little more kid-friendly and it makes it Mm -hmm. okay for killing.
0: Yeah. Because they're robots. They're they're not people. It's
1: fine. It's fine.
0: They can walk and talk and have feelings. But as long as they're a robot, it's fine. (laughs) And then my next thing is I do feel like it probably is the best – Completely squeaky clean, censored origin they possibly could have told
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, yep. you know that original thing. They they did do a good job of putting all that together, including an Utrum, in a way that would make sense, and so they could have an action figure of that. Uh, and I also really liked the storming the techno drum scene.
1: So you you had mentioned that. So I really watched that one specifically. I almost feel. Uh, the Nintendo games were very similar. Like they would use, uh-huh. it, in, in, obviously not when you're playing the game, but the in-between scenes. I, I felt it was very similar when they would come on the Techno Drone. Heck, they might be, they used the exact same thing. But I agree with you. That was very well done. It looked like a more traditional, not traditional, a more up-to-date animation than most of the other stuff.
0: Yeah, it was a lot smoother and it was action-packed and a lot of fun to watch, in my opinion, still to this day. So I talked about the animation being old and, and you know crapped all over it earlier. But the storming the Technodrome scene is actually a really good on an eye. I, I enjoy watching that <laughs> one.
1: Uh-oh. And we'll have a, I'm sure we'll have a few more of those that come down. Come, like I can't wait till we get to see Baxter Stockman turn into a fly. I think that's the phenomenal scene. <laughs> I mean, if you like sci-fi tropes, it's great, you know. What
0: I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but the last thing i, I do want to add um is that if you couldn't tell you know this cartoon isn't necessarily my favorite portrayal and it, it wasn't you know for a long time and it, i was actually a purist when it mm. comes to Ninja turtles so i was very much like the comic and in my opinion the original comic still Probably is my favorite version. Of the universe that's kind of built around there, but the IDW comic is right alongside. I have a hard time picking between the two. Sure, but the IDW comic helped me accept this original cartoon a lot more because before it was just like, ah, oh, this cartoon that just made it child friendly and it completely destroyed the lore. You know, we have Krang as this brain instead of a an Utrum, and the Utrum is an evil guy, and there's only one of them. Like it does all this stuff, and it just, it just destroyed it all. And Everyone recognizes this as Ninja Turtles now. People even call it the original when it's not even the original. And so I had kind of had, you know, a lot of hard feelings toward this cartoon, especially since it's the only version you ever saw anywhere for merchandise. And so there, there's a lot of me that kind of was just like, I hate it. And the IDW series kind of helped me because it took a lot of these elements and improved upon them and mixed them and mashed them with with the other stuff. And I'm, I'm definitely more okay with it now.
1: Well, and... and- I think that was the goal of IDW, was to bring my generation and yeah. your generation together. And I thought they yeah. did a great job.
0: It's fantastic. It's, it's They did an amazing job. You know, I actually like the concept of Crank you now. It, it works for nice. me. Nice. Yeah. But the way that I view it and the way I'm able to appreciate this 87 cartoon is, in my opinion, it's like the Adam West Bat, like Batman of Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you were to tell people in the 60s that there was going to be a Batman movie, like the one that's about to release, where you've got Robert Pattinson just being like, I'm vengeance, you know, after beating the crap out of a guy and busting his arm, they probably would have laughed in your face. You know, even in the 80s, Frank Miller introduced the idea that the Batman suit is supposed to be intimidating. That's why he wears it, is to intimidate you. If you were to say that to someone during the period of Adam West Batman... They'd probably laugh at your face. You know, they'd be like, that is intimidating. Yeah. (laughs) This guy in tights with a little boy in in other tights (laughs) running around. So, and even the comic books at that time, I mean, that's the, one of the differences between Batman and Ninja Turtles in this respect is that the Ninja Turtle comic books started out gritty and return kid friendly. The silver age comic books, at least of Batman were, were kept pretty. Pretty friendly on that side as well, on the campy side.
1: Well, that sure changed <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> a lot.
1: Yeah,
0: and that that, that was due to the stuff going on in like the 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they started rejecting the the comics code and comic book history and such. But, because they used to be censored. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that's my way of viewing it. You know, it's the Adam West of Ninja Turtles. It's a novelty. It, it's something to be appreciated in that res- regard. It does have its its own, how would I say it, its own charm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it I serves one. It serves a purpose in the history of Ninja Turtles. Absolutely. And without it,
0: it probably wouldn't be as popular as it is today. Absolutely. So now we'll move to Channel 6 News.
1: April O'Neill, Channel 9 News. Uh, Channel 6 News.
0: This week for Channel 6 News, we have a couple of items here. One big one is that finally... All seasons of TMNT 2003 are available somewhere legally. You can watch them now on CBS All Access uh, because they're streaming there. You could only buy the first three seasons on Amazon before this, so it's nice to finally have the whole series in one place. And the other news is just in case you read the last run of number one and are waiting for number two, the release date for number two is December 16th. And that's it for the news this week.
1: Well, this has been a blast today, Spencer. I think we've covered a lot of material, but how stoked are you for next week as we will be covering The Last Ronin? Oh,
0: I'm through the roof. Like, I've read it once. I want to read it a second time to really take it in because the first time I had to rush it because I've had a lot going on. And I'm probably going to read it a third time for notes for the
1: show. So, So, spoiler alert, we are going to be covering Last Ronin next week. So, if you haven't read it uh, or if you don't want to uh, know what happens, then I'm just going to have to say. And we'll we'll announce it big when we start uh, the show, too. But please, like, share, and leave us a review on the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, and just let us know how you feel we're doing. We'll take all the feedback we can, because we want to tailor this podcast for you. And we will always do our best to keep you up to date on the most recent Turtle News. Spencer, I had a blast today. Always enjoy our time together. Me too. It's
0: good to see you. Good talking.
1: uh, And we do, if you guys don't know, we do Zoom each other, so we can... It's talk because I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, you're Salt Lake City, right? Yeah. Salt Lake City, Utah. So look forward to talking to everybody next week on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Turtle Power Hour. Until next time, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga.